This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Two lengthy shows tonight, and from last week's format, all comedies, we revert to a drama in the first half hour this week. So, let's begin with Gunsmoke, and the episode where William Conrad, as Matt Dillon, is visited by the famous gunslinger, Doc Holliday. Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Sure, I figure I'm making you dance some for the folks. You think you can hoorah me? Dude, I said dance. Dance or the next shot will take off one of your toes. I don't think I'd like that. Doc, no. All right, Thorne, put up the gun. Marshal, you got a wild and woolly town here. Marshal, you move aside. I'm going to make this grinning dude kick up his heels for us. I'd say that might be quite a trick, Thorne. Unless he's changed a lot since I last met him. Have you, Doc? Not for the good, Matt. <laughs> I was afraid. You pacey face tenderfoot. I said for Shut you. Shut up, Thorne. He's drunk, Doc. He's dead. You just don't know it yet. I'll take it good if you'd meet me later at my office. All right, Matt. For you. Well, that's sure a lot of talk. Now I'm going to shoot that dude's boot heels. Fire one shot and I'll pistol with you, Thorne. What's that? You're kind of forgetting who's holding a gun, ain't you? I wasn't forgetting. Oh, my wrist. You broke my wrist. I doubt it. Now let's go to jail. Oh, you can't put me in jail. I'm Thorne Finley. Move. Oh, you wait till I tell Big Jack about this. And I will, too. Do that. He might be grateful to me for saving your neck. 
You pulled some fool stunt, Stone, but you've never been closer to dying than just a minute ago. You mean from that fancy pants? Oh, I could handle six like him. That makes you a lot of men. I can name a dozen pretty good gun hands who can't handle one of it. What? That's Doc Holliday. invited me to visit him. He and Virgil and Morgan of the law down there. Some little mining town called Tombstone. <laughs> well, it sounds peaceful anyway. If it isn't, it will be by the time White Earp gets through. He is the peacemakingest man I ever met outside of you. <laughs> Matt, who was the tallahead down at the depot anyway? No, Thorne. He's just a spoiled kid. Kid? Couldn't be much younger than you. Sure, but Thorne never grew up. His father has coddled him and protected him and gotten him out of scrapes ever since he was a pup. He's never had to be a man. Not with Big Jack Wet nursing him. Big Jack. Big Jack Finley. Oh, you know him? I've heard of him. Well, that figures. He owns about half of Kansas. Star in a box runs more cows than he can count. Swings a lot of weight and dodge. Yeah, too much. Mr. Dillon? Mr. Dillon, somebody said that Doc Holliday had come into town today and he... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> it's all right, Chester. Why don't you shake hands with him? Don't mind if I shake with my left hand. It's kind of habit. Yeah, I know. Mr. Dillon has the same habit. He would. How about dinner tonight, Matt? Sure, sure. <coughs> How long will you be in Dodge? Not long. <coughs> Just till I finish a chore. Uh huh. That uh, chore have anything to do with Big Jack Finley? Might say so. Gonna kill him. All right, Dylan. Turn him loose. You uh, forgot to close the door, Mister Finley. You're going to turn my boy loose, or I'm going to have to do it for you. You got a writ of habeas corpus? Writ? Thorn didn't commit no crime. The charges are drunk and disorderly, disturbing the peace, and attempted assault with a deadly weapon. I was. You still need a writ. But man, Judd Nathan does what I say, and you know it. But you think I can get a writ? I'm sure you can and will. You always do. Then what's the point, Dylan? It's just a lot of useless red tape. It's a law. Close the door on the way out. All right, Thorne. Didn't I tell you Big Jack would get me out? When are you going to learn you can't save the speech? The law can't touch a Finley. You ought to get smart, Marshal. Like you? Sure, like me. Hi, Big Jack. You okay, son? Fine. Anything else, Mr. Finley? 
Why, yes. Uh, uh, my boy here is a little boisterous sometimes. I know. High-spirited, you understand? Uh-huh. So? So, I want to put a stop to all this nonsense of yours, arresting him every time he kicks up his heels a bit. Now, go on. Well, I'm offering you a job. Let's say, protecting my interests. Two hundred a month. And no work, naturally. <laughs> I see we understand each other perfectly. No work, of course. All I have to do is just shut my eyes whenever Junior here breaks the law, huh? I said we understand each other. There's no need to elaborate on it, Dylan. There's a big need. Only how do I explain to a person like you that some men don't wear a price tag? How do I explain how I feel about a so-called respectable citizen making the law his private doormat? Hey, you're nothing but the stupid gunman I've always thought you were. I understand you took the part of Doc Holliday against my son. I kept Thorne from committing suicide, yeah. You sided with a notorious killer against an important citizen of this community. Now I'm telling you, Dylan. I don't want him in Dodge tomorrow. Doc may be a gunfighter, but he's clear with the law, Finley, and a better man than your son will ever be. What? Why, I... That hurts, doesn't it? You... I'm serving notice, Marshal. You run that killer out of Dodge City, or I'll do it myself. Big Jack Finley. Cattleman and self-made king of southern Kansas. No better or worse than most of the men carving empires out of the West. Until love for his son blinded him to the fact that Thorne Fenley had gone bad. And from here on, I knew the war was on between Big Jack and me. So Big Jack Fenley's going to run me out of town, huh? No. Unless I do it first. Oh? I do something naughty, man? Well, you threaten a man's life. <laughs> that... <laughs> <laughs> and just between friends, man. Anything else, Doc? Not murder. Murder? I can give him an even break. Uh, with you, that's still murder. Uh, don't you think you better tell me about it? Mm-hmm. What if I don't tell you? Now, yeah, then my job's to warn Fenley and try to protect him. You're a tough man to be friends with, man. It applies to you, too, doesn't it? Guess maybe it does at that. Didn't realize how I put you on the spot by spouting off my good intentions. Sorry. Oh, forget it, forget it. <coughs> you want to talk to me? <coughs> All right. Remember a girl named Ruth Davis? Mm-hmm. Died in a riding accident a few months ago. Always wondered if it wasn't suicide. She lost her brother two weeks before that. No accident. No suicide. You sure? Sure. You know, Ruth and her brother ran the ranch alone. Mm -hmm. A man started pestering Ruth, and she hated him. Her brother kicked the man off the ranch. This fellow dragged Gulf's Ruth's brother made it look like a robbery. You have any proof of this? Yeah. Ruth was afraid to go to the law, so she sent a letter to me. Here, read it yourself. She says the man was Finley and says she expects him to try and shut her up for good. Well, that doesn't mean it's Big Jack. I went to see Ruth's folks. They had her belongings. Among them, I found this. Hmm. Watch chain. Engraved J.F. on the clasp. Jack Finley. You see why I've got to kill him, man? He forced Ruth's horse over that cliff, sure. But do you still think she died accidental? No. 
But who's responsible is something for a court to decide, court. With Finley's money and influence, he wouldn't spend five days in jail even if he was convicted, which he wouldn't be. He doesn't own the court. Maybe not, but it's still the most powerful man in the state against a dead girl whose only friend is Doc Holliday. How do you think a judge will decide? Doc, I'm going to ask you a favor. Make it one I can give. I got an idea, but uh, you must let me handle it my way. Give the law a chance. All right, Matt, I can wait. Thank you. Now, I'll keep this letter in chain for a while. All right, but if the law fails, I'll brace Big Jack Finley when he walks out of the courthouse. And you'll be bracing two men, Doc. Finley and me. Fine day. Well, you're up kind of early just to bring me a weather report, aren't you, Judge Nathan? Huh? Oh, well, I I want to see you. Now go right ahead. You mind if I finish shaving? No, no, please do. Just thought I'd chat with you about the... About the Finley's? Uh-uh. Uh, yes. It seems that Big Jack's very upset by your attitude. I'm not surprised. Feels you're a little rough on his boy. I am. Then his boy's a little rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, perhaps Thorne is high-spirited, like uh, yesterday. Yesterday he was just plain high. <laughs> Tell me, Judge Nathan, how do you like being on Fenley's payroll? Uh, what? You know, you used to be a pretty decent person. Oh, you can't talk to me like... Yes, I can. I'm sending a copy of Thorne's record to the governor. Governor. And with it, I'm sending a list of the writs you've issued to get him out of jail and a copy of the court records. I've only tempered my justice with mercy, that's all. Thorne's been arrested for 18 offenses, convicted of 10, spent no time in jail, and paid a total of $15 in fines. I'd say you've been very merciful. Um, you said you were sending this to the governor. You haven't actually mailed it yet? No. You got an out. Not that I don't feel justified in any decisions I've made, but uh, such a report might cause undue talk at the Capitol. And ruin your political hopes. Well, my conditions are simple. Get off Finley's payroll now. Very well. And give me cooperation from here on, no matter who's involved. Do that and I shelve the report. I'll do it. Mr. Dillon, trouble's a making. What kind of trouble, Chester? It's Big Jack Finley, Mr. Dillon. He's rounding up his crew at the Alfraganza. They're going to ride Doc Holliday out of town on a rail. Did you cut yourself shaving? Turn for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, don't forget, starting Monday, CBS Radio's tremendous news staff will start bringing you the complete coverage of the Democratic Convention in Chicago. 
As you found during the Republican convention, CBS Radio never misses. So starting Monday, stay with CBS Radio all day and evening for the Democratic convention. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. spell, I'm liable to shoot without meaning to. All right, all right. <laughs> this is twice you have made a Finley back down. You'll never get a third chance. Let's get out of here. Matt, when are you going to arrest him? When I'm ready. Not long. I hope not. Getting impatient to see that man dead. your message, Marshal. I hope it's important. It is, Moncrief. How long have you been foreman for Big Jack? Fifteen, sixteen years. And you know him pretty well. Would he be the kind to kill a girl? No, of course not. Because he'd kill a man if he got mad enough that he wouldn't kill no girl, Marshal. Well, I have proof that he did. A girl and her brother. But it doesn't set right. I'm hoping you can help. What's your proof, Marshal? A letter that names Finley as the man. Ruth Davis wrote it before she died. Ruth Davis. And this watch chain was found with her belongings. It's engraved on the back. I know. I uh, was with Big Jack when he bought this chain in Chicago. It was right after his wife died. Big Jack wear it all the time? Mm. You uh, wrote it. 
rode the right hunch, Marshal. What? Thorne is your man, just like you figure. He had a yen for the Davis girl, but he kept it quiet. Because he didn't want it known, she throwed him over. But the watch chain... Big Jack gave that to Thorne on his 25th birthday. Whole ranch can testify to that. Mm. Good. All right, thank you, Moncrief. You, uh... Gonna try and arrest Thorne? Why? If Big Jack believes Thorne killed that girl, it'll break his heart. Broke her neck. If he don't believe it... Then? He'll protect Thorne. And, Marshal, there's not enough lawmen in the state of Kansas to make Big Jack give up his son. I've heard of you, too, Judge. Wonder which has heard the worst. Uh-uh. What's that? Uh, why, I... Uh, Judge, I'm here on business. Oh, of course. Uh, come in, won't you? In my study here, so we won't be disturbed. Now, what is it, Marshal? I want you to swear out a warrant for Thorne Finley's arrest. Charge murder. I'm sure. <coughs> All right, hold up your right hand. Oh, no, Matt, you wouldn't make me a lawman. If you go, you go as my deputy. I'm not letting you make this a private fight. And with my friends, if they hear I wore a star. All right, Matt, it's your show. You swear to uphold and enforce the laws of this community, the state of Kansas, and the United States to the best of your ability as deputy marshal, so help you God. All of that? All of that. I swear. Here, pin on this badge. All right, man. You know, I'm feeling this badge is going to cramp my style something terrible. Better breathe our horses going up through this pass. We've still got a good ride ahead. How far? Oh, about ten miles. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Matt? Will they fight? Well... Doc! Doc! Stay your horse, Marshal. Grab some clouds. Keep those hands high. Bill Queen's on the other side of the pass behind you. That's being smart, Dylan. Queen will drop you if you touch her gun butt. You're handy at this bushwhacking, aren't you, Thorne? If Doc He's is... all right. My slug seems to have bounced off his thick skull. Good. Yeah, let's pull your teeth. Yeah, better you do it. With your left hand, reach down and across slow. Pull your gun out with your fingertips and toss it away. Nervous? Just cautious. Or maybe this queen doesn't exist, huh, Thorne? 
Queen's one of Dad's men, but uh, I pay him extra to work for me. Any more questions? Uh, I guess not. There's my gun. The rifle next. I, uh... I got a penknife in my pants pocket. You know why Holiday came to Dodge? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you do. You wouldn't be riding with him. Well, he's not going to tell any stories to my dad or anyone else. Uh, you can't kill us, you stupid... Not planning on killing you. And what have you got planned? A queen's kind of a magician. He's going to make Holiday just disappear. Folks won't care much about one of his kind. I would. I'd care so much I'd hang you for it. No. No, with Holiday gone, it's your word against mine. And you won't be able to approve a thing, Dylan. You sure of that? I'm sure. Otherwise, I'd take care of you along with Holiday. Now, get out and start walking back to town. It's like I told you. Law can't touch a Finley. It was no time for heroics, so I walked. When I reached a turn, I cut back through the rocks, but it was too late. They were gone. And with them, the horses, guns, and Doc Holliday. Two miles up the road, I found my horse turned loose. And with a mind full of cold hate, I raced onto the star in a box. On the front porch of the ranch house was one of Big Jack's men. Hold it right there. Out of my way, mister. I'm in no mood to shake hands. Where are you heading, lawman? You don't hear well. Holiday. Friendly. How should I know? Get off my ranch. And where's that prize son of yours? What? Trot him out. I want him. Do you now? What on earth for? Thorn, put that gun away. Oh, no. This is just in case the marshal loses his temper. I've lost it, Junior. Sure. Dylan, I've had all I'm going to stand from you. You just think you have. Where's Holiday, Thorn? Where'd Queen take him? Holiday? Why, well, I haven't the faintest idea. Where is Queen, Dad? The righty fence line, but... See, Marshal, we don't know where your friend is. You're under arrest, Thorne. What's that? Ask him to show the warrant. Here. Read it, Finley. Oh, oh no. No, th th that's not possible. The judge wouldn't issue a warrant without proof. He has proof, Thorne. This is a lie. Thorne couldn't be guilty of murder. No. Take a look at his face. Son. Daddy's trying to frame me. J don't let him get away with this. No, I won't. I won't. Get out, Dylan. Man, open your eyes. This is not going to help you. You heard me. I don't believe you, your warrant, or your proof. I believe my son. So get off this ranch. Get out of the state. You let me see you again, so help me. I'll kill you myself. Forget me. You're bucking the law. You can't. I'm in my own law. You so do I. Doc Holliday. But you're supposed to be dead. Queen was supposed Queen's to be... the one who's dead. I carry a knife in my boot just for men like him. <laughs> Thorn, God help me. You are guilty. He sure is. And if he knows any prayers, he'd better get them over with. No, Doc. He goes back with us as our prisoner. You're wrong, Marshal. I'll take care of my son. Dad. Dad, no. You rotten, lying, murderous. Please, up. please don't. I Dad. should have strangled Stand you in the cradle when you were. Stand with me. Shoot, don't shoot you all. Manley, let out. I threw myself at Fenway and bought him a set of four rolling 
figure of Doc Holliday went into action. His pale hands blurred over his hope. The Ruth Thorn! Ruth? Thanks, Chester. You sure you want to stay around a while, Doc? Yeah, we're good friends, Matt, but you're peace officer. I guess I'm not a very peaceful man. <laughs> you could be, Doc. <laughs> no, I'm not going to change, and you shouldn't. Law needs men like you. No, if I stayed there, there's too good a chance I might cross you. Yeah. Then I'd have to meet you over gun barrels, and it's one thing I'm afraid of. So long, Matt. Good luck, Doc. My. I never would have thought Doc Holliday was scared of meeting anyone in a gunfight. Hmm. You don't understand, Chester. Doc's afraid because he might beat me. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Herb Purdom, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in our cast were Harry Bartell as Doc Holliday, with Lee Millar, Nestor Piva, Ralph Moody, and Tom Tully. Parley Bear is Chester. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Duffy's Tavern. Crystal Myers, makers of Ipana toothpaste for the smile of beauty and Vitalis for well-groomed hair, bring you Duffy's Tavern, starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Where do you leave me? Archie, your man, you speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Ah, oh, Duffy, I'm as happy as a bee with the hives. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm getting married. Yep, to a very high-class society dame. I, I got in touch with her through the Lonely Hearts Club and the police gazette. <laughs> yes, I was intrigued by their slogan. It said, uh, every client comes back and thanks us. The girls ain't pretty, but they're awful anxious. <laughs> Well, uh, I've been corresponding uh, with the Dame Duffy, and uh, I'm uh, I'm going to marry. You know, sounds terrific, huh? When you married Mrs. Duffy, she was terrific too, young and cute and Irish as Patty's pig, huh? Now, after thirty years, you wish you'd married the pig. <laughs> well, at what point did she start to change? The minute you carried her over the threshold, huh? <laughs> 
Hey, wait a minute. Just a second. How'd you ever carry a fat dame like that over the threshold? Two trips. <laughs> well, Duffy, I'm glad to see that you still got a sense of humor about the sweet old fat slob. <laughs> well, I'll call you back. I got a lot of things on my mind. Eddie, uh, uh, yes, Eddie, uh, when a guy's getting married and he starts walking down the aisle, uh, which foot does he start with, the, the left or the right? Left or right, he's still off on the wrong foot. <laughs> Why? Well, I'm uh, thinking of committing matrimony, you know. Oh, mazel tov. <laughs> Might I ask you uh, who the lady in question is? Well, the questionable lady uh, <coughs> happens to be uh, Miss uh, Millicent Van Schnook. Mm. What does this schnook look like? Eddie, it's Van Schnook. And she's beautiful, she says. Where'd you meet this schnook? Van Schnook. I'm sorry, Van Schnook. Well, I ain't met her yet. As I say, the, the wedding is being handled through the mails. Mm. What won't Sears and Roebuck think of me? <laughs> You say you fell in love with this gal by mail? Yeah, funny thing how it happened, Eddie. All began with a mere penny postcard. But before the week was out, we was mailing hot special deliveries. <laughs> yeah, with the stamps upside down. You should have seen them last couple of letters. Flaming. I told her how she kindled me spark of love and how me embers was burning for her. <clears throat> Then I filled up the rest of the page with X's. You mad, passionate thing, you. <laughs> well, anyway, I'll soon be married. It'll be wonderful, you know? Get out of that lonely furnished room, have a real home, two wash rags instead of one, two teeth brush, two towels... Two rings around the bathtub. You're really happy, huh? Yeah, sure am. I've always wanted a family, and who knows? I might uh, have some little ones someday that would turn their sweet cherubic faces up to me and, and say, Oh, Hello, uh, Eddie, remind me to get in touch with Margaret Sangster, will you? Uh, guess what, Finnegan? I'm getting married. That's nice. What else is new? Maybe you didn't hear me right. I'm getting married. M-A-R-R-E-D. <laughs> married? Ah, that's stupid. Why? What's wrong with marriage? Well, it's all right for people with children. <laughs> Personally, I, I think it takes the fun out of being a bachelor. Finnegan, you are exactly what you look like. Who's a moron? <laughs> you. Oh, I'm a moron. Who's the guy that's getting married? Look, people got to get married. Our whole way of life is based on it. Why? Well, because men are men and women are women. Well, I grant it's a novel arrangement, but I don't see the point. <laughs> All right, let me put it this way. Yeah. Uh, your father and mother, they was married, right? I'll go along with that. <laughs> okay. Now, if your father and mother hadn't gotten married, where would you be today? Up at the ball game. <laughs> hey, you see what I'm driving at? Well, do you? 
Let me put it this way. No. Well, Millie's trying to explain. You see, the fact that your parents hit the jerk pot, uh, <laughs> this has nothing to do with it. Uh, human life, uh, Finnegan, is deeper than that. Now, take Freud, for instance. He says mankind falls in love for interior motives, you see. But Freud can be wrong. All right. Would you mind if I ask you a question? What? What are we talking about? <laughs> we are talking about love and marriage. The, you mean that stuff about the birds and the bees? Yeah. Mere propaganda. <laughs> the birds and the bees? Why, sure. The last week, I took a bee, and I put it in the bird's cage, and... Yeah? Frankly, Arch, nothing has happened. <laughs> I still fail to see whether it has anything to do with something. Uh, however, I won't argue the point. Well, uh, I just... Uh... You're certainly in a talkative mood tonight, Arch. Well, why not, Joe? When a guy's planning to marry a dame like this Millicent, he wants to shout it out to the whole world. Say with me. Yeah, huh? Yeah. Every week I like to tell the whole world about Itana Toothpaste. Uh, well, some guys like dames, some guys like toothpaste. <laughs> Personally, I'm a guy that likes dames, you know. Uh, when I give them a little squeeze, I don't have to worry about getting the brush. <laughs> I thank you. <laughs> I like girls, too, but I like them to have a lovely smile. And that's why I like to tell everyone about Ipana. For Ipana helps you to the prettiest, most sparkling smile you ever had. You know, dentists like Ipana so much that it's the toothpaste more of them use themselves as well as recommend to their patients than any other. You ought to try the Ipana way to a pretty smile yourself. Because dentists say the Ipana way works. And it's easy. First... Between regular visits to your dentist, brush all tooth surfaces with Ipana toothpaste at least twice a day. Then massage gums the way your dentist advises to stimulate gum circulation. Then see the difference Ipana toothpaste can make to your teeth, to your smile. Get a tube of Ipana first chance you get. Remember, a good dentifrice like a good dentist is never a luxury. So make the Ipana way your way to healthier gums, brighter teeth, a more sparkling smile. The Ipana smile. The smile of beauty. Hey, Eddie. Yeah? Eddie, uh, see what you think of this wedding invitation, huh? Wedding invitation? Yeah, I just wrote it out. Hmm, let's see. I, Archie, hereby announce his engagement... To the former Miss Van Schnook, Nee Millicent. <laughs> the bride and groom hereby request your presence. Uh, presidents. No, no, no. Try it again, son. Presidents. Uh, <laughs> oh, we are only on that tape. <laughs> uh, see this week, sneaky way our sneaky way is trying to underline the word presence. Continue, Eddie. Okay. <laughs> Those will be optional. But we prefer black tie. Clothes will be optional. Well, that's... Uh, <laughs> don't apply to the ladies, of course. Uh, might be a little gaudy. <clears throat> Continue, Eddie. 
Obscene language will not be tolerated, as ceremony will be civil. <laughs> Signed, Cobina Wright. Cobina Wright? Gives it a little touch of class. You know. <laughs> Boy, it's going to be a big night for Third Avenue, all right? Uh, say, I see he's getting married. Yeah. Oh, well, may I propose a toast? Oh, thank you, Miss Duffy. What's the toast? Uh... There's nothing so sweet as a wedding in June. Here's to the bride and here's to the goon. <laughs> oh, you're bitter, huh? Just mad because you're still on a shelf. Oh, yeah? I could have got off the shelf plenty of times. Enumerate the opportunities. <laughs> Who? Well, for one, Ernest Stiefendorfer. For two, Breckenbridge Hartsenfelder. And for three, Harold Harperrode. How did she ever miss Adolf Schickelgrove? <laughs> These guys all wanted to marry you? They certainly did. In fact, Harold Harkerow turned to drink when I refused to marry him. Naturally, a thing like that calls for a celebration. <laughs> but if you had all these proposals, how come your old man has a standing offer of two white shirts to any guy that'll go out with you? And he'll even shorten the sleeves. Archie, that's a lie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was Mama that said she'd shorten the sleeves. <laughs> Besides, you're somebody to talk. I'd like to see what's marrying you. What's marrying me happens to be a very beautiful society, Dame, from a family with yachts and swimming pools and packet cars. And I'm going to be the man that owns one. Oh, just marrying her for her father's money, huh? Who's marrying her for father's money? I'd marry her no matter whose money it was. <laughs> and I resent the inference that I'm a piccolo. <laughs> Say, uh, Art, uh, by the way, did you get the wedding ring yet? Oh, oh, yeah, thanks for reminding me. Give me that phone. Hello? Tiffany and Schwartz? <laughs> uh, genuine department, please. <laughs> Hello? Genuine? Mr. Tiffany? <clears throat> this is Archie of Duffy's Tavern, uh, I'm thinking about getting married. Thank you. Uh, tell me, tell me, Mr. Tiffany, what have you got in a diamond wedding ring? Something with a nice large floor. <laughs> huh? How many carrots? Uh, oh, I know about 30 or 40. <laughs> How much? Hmm. Let me talk to Schwartz. <laughs> oh, Schwartz? Uh, what have you got in a nice diamond ring? Oh, up to about five bucks. Huh? You'll let me know as soon as the glass blower comes back from lunch? Okay, Schwartz, I'll wait for your call. George, five bucks for a wedding ring? So what? I make that kind of dough in a couple of days. Besides, this is one marriage I want to get started right. You see, Finnegan, a woman is a peculiar thing. You've got to approach her tenderly, like a delicate flower, or else love is apt to wane out the window. Yeah. Arch, how do you ever learn so much about love? Just observation. You see, before I worked at Duffy's, I used to be flashlight man in a drive-in movie. <laughs> well... 
Uh, Jay, you certainly learned a lot. Well, thanks. Good evening, Archie, me boy. Well, Clancy to come. Then how many gave it to you? Thanks, in the back of me hand to you, sir. Uh, Eddie, some bourbon. Uh, three fingers for the long arm. <laughs> uh, thank you, Archie. I could use a pick-me-up. You know, we had our annual policeman's ball last night. Oh, I feel terrible. Well, wine, women, and song, huh? Yes, but not necessarily in that order. Uh, it's too bad you weren't there, Archie No, Clancy, my days is over as a spinster uh, I gotta settle down now that I'm getting married You? Taking the leap? Mm-hmm. I thought you always played hard to get I did, but I found if you play too hard to get, you don't get cut <laughs> Well, I, I certainly hope you found the right girl, Archie You know, choosing a wife is a serious business when you embark on the sea of matrimony, make sure you don't do what I did and get a leaky boat. <laughs> you never know what kind of a woman you get until after you marry her. Yeah, it's like taking a poke at a pig, ain't it? <laughs> and I tell you, Archie, marriage is just like a hot bath. After a while, it ain't so hot. <laughs> Take my case, for example. Mrs. C and I were married in a beautiful little ceremony over in Ireland. And accordance with the tradition... First, I kissed the Blarney Stone, and then I kissed Mrs. Clancy. You know, the Blarney Stone had more pucker than she did. Yeah, I've met Mrs. Clancy. Pretty horrible kisser. That's right. You have met her, haven't you? Yeah, but the dame I'm marrying is different. Uh, plenty of dough, uh, gorgeous figure, you know, loaded with money, beautiful eyes... Loaded with dough. Just a second, Arch. You wouldn't be thinking of taking money from a woman, would you? Is there a law? <laughs> but, Archie, that would make you a leech and a parasite. Leave us not think of me as a leech or a parasite, Clancy. Leave us just think of the dame as an art supporter. Art supporter, me. Hey, that's it. I think I'll send it to Walter Winchell. <laughs> Reminded me to do that, will you, Eddie? Okay. Uh, by the way, this telegram just arrived for you. A telegram for me? Let's see. Hey. It's from Millicent. She says yes. She's going to marry me. She's on her way down here. Oh, congratulations, Archie. Well, thanks, Finnegan. Congratulations, Miss Archie. Thank you, Eddie. Condolences, Archie. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Clancy. I'm only kidding. Marriage is a fine institution. And underneath it all, I think Mrs. Clancy is the salt of the earth. I only wish I could shake her. <laughs> well, good luck to you, me boy. Archie, may I offer my congratulations? Well, thank you, Joe. And I'd like to give you this little bottle as a wedding present. You think I should be hitting the bottle so soon after I get married? <laughs> But you didn't look at it. It's a bottle of Vitalis. And Vitalis means well-groomed hair. Do you get it? Not yet. Feed it to me slow. <laughs> Don't you see? If you use Vitalis, your hair will look, well, I mean, you'll be a well-haired groom. Joe, is your last name Miller? <laughs> All right, so I'm not so good with the jokes, Arch, but you've got to admit that what I say is true. Vitalis is perfect for well-groomed hair, and it's particularly good if you're troubled with dry, unruly hair, hair that's been dried out by sun, wind, and water. Why, no other hair preparation can give your scalp and hair better protection than Vitalis and a 60-second workout. For the Vitalis formula contains two of the same ingredients that many skin specialists prescribe for dry, flaky scalps. 
plus all the other extras that make your hair more handsome, more healthy looking. So try the Vitalis 60-second workout. Let it prevent scalp and hair dryness, rout flaky dandruff, and give you the best-looking, healthiest-looking head of hair you ever had. Look your best tomorrow if you get a bottle of Vitalis today. doing there, Archie? Uh, studying over these travel folders, Miss Duffy. I'm trying to figure out where to go on me honeymoon now. Newport, Palm Springs. Palm Springs, that might not be bad. I hear they get some pretty nice-looking dames down there. <laughs> yeah, they'll come in handy on your honeymoon. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, let's see. Bermuda, Cuba, Nassau. How about Lithuania? Why Lithuania? What's wrong with Lithuania? Nothing. Okay. Well, that settles that. <laughs> now, where else could we go? Miami, Monte Carlo. Why would anybody want to go to Lithuania? Katrinka Yabak comes from Lithuania. So what? Katrinka's a very nice girl. Well, so is Millicent a very nice girl, and Millicent's the one I'm going on my honeymoon with. Well, okay, then. Okay. Go anywhere you want. That's just what I'm going to do. I still think you ought to go to Lithuania. <laughs> I think you should go someplace. <clears throat> uh, let's look over this folder here, Eddie. Honolulu, just overnight from Los Angeles by Pan American Airways, only 338 round trip, including sleeper. Eddie, remind me to pack me sheer black pajamas. Hmm? <laughs> uh, don't bother me now, Finny. And the dame I'm going to marry me, future spouse, is going to be here any minute, and we've got to get busy. We ain't even shoveled an aisle through the sawdust yet. You mean you're going to have the wedding here? Why not? People get married over the radio, they get married in theaters and airplanes. That's right, Arch. I even heard about a couple getting married in a church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Now, let's see. I got to get the ring and the minister, the uh, carnations for the ushers. Uh... Well, how about orange blossoms for the bride? Uh, let's not spoil her, Eddie. Just whip up a couple of martinis. <laughs> Now, let's see. I'll need striped pants and a castaway coat. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got to make reservations for a trip through the Tunnel of Love. <laughs> now, what else? Uh, uh, what kind of music are you going to have at the wedding, Archie? Well, we're going to have organ music, of course. Organ, huh? Oh, that's nice. Who's going to pass the tin cup? You? <laughs> Frustrated humor if I ever heard it. <laughs> Miss Duffy, this ain't gonna be no hurdy-gurdy organ. It's gonna be a beautiful pipe organ playing the wedding march. Hmm. I'll bet you wouldn't even know which wedding march to play. Well, how many wedding marches is there? There's two. Lohengrin's and Mendelssohn's. And which one do you like best? Well, Mendelssohn has always been my favorite. And I'll bet you is his, too. <laughs> and that's the one we're gonna play. Eh, what a dopey wedding. What did you say? I think I made myself plain. No, Mother Nature took care of that. <laughs> now, look, Miss Duffy, please, don't leave us argue on me wedding night. Uh... Uh, Miss Archie, if this wedding is going to take place tonight, don't you think you ought to rehearse it a little? Uh, good idea, Eddie. Uh, yeah, who could be the preacher? I'll do it. Uh, good. Uh, now, who could be the bride? How about me? Not even by proxy. <laughs> 
Let's see, who could be the bride? Uh, George. There's my girl. <laughs> Finnegan, how would you like to be me bride? Okay, Arch, but first I think we'd better get me mother's consent. <laughs> no, it's only make-believe. Now, here, uh, hold me hand. Hold your hand? Let's yeah, go. okay. Now, uh, start the ceremony, Eddie. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here... Uh, just a minute, together. Eddie. Uh, what's the matter, Finnegan? Can't you stand still? Well, I'm nervous, George. This is a big step in me life. <laughs> worries me. Suppose we ain't compatible. Well, if we ain't, we'll just shake hands like little gentlemen and call it off. Now, go ahead, Eddie. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here together... Uh, uh, just a second. Not that I want to butt in. But don't you think the bride should have on something old and something new? Hey, this is one time she's right. Finnegan, uh, you got on anything that's old? Yeah, my pants. <laughs> uh, what about something new? The patches. <laughs> you know, I guess that'll cover it. <laughs> All right, proceed ahead, Eddie. Uh... Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here together. Well, I, I can't go through with it. What's the matter? I feel silly marrying you. <laughs> Why? Well, you're so much taller than I am. <laughs> Would the bride please keep her trap shut? <laughs> now, come on. Let's get this over with. Do you, Mr. Archer, take Miss Millicent to be your lawful wedded wife? Miss Millicent? Yeah. So already you got another woman, huh? And there ain't no other woman. That's just an example, a, a metaphor. I don't care what your metaphor. Get her out of my house. <laughs> Maybe we better make it so he can understand it. Uh, call the bride Finnegan. Okay. Do you, Miss Finnegan, take Mr. Archer to be your lawful wedded husband? Do I? Huh? Do I? Finnegan, it's I do. Okay, then you marry him. Finnegan, this ain't a real wedding. It's only kind of, uh, you know, mock believe. Uh, now, try it again, Eddie. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here together. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, hey, who's that dame that just come in the door there? Better go over and see what she wants, Eddie. Okay, I'll be right back. The preacher has to go wait on a customer. <laughs> what a place for a wedding. Miss Duffy, to me and me bride, this place will be the little church around the corner. Don't forget, to people in love, things only seem to be what they are. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miss Archer, guess what? What? That girl that just come in as your bride-to-be. You mean that, Miss Millicent? That gorgeous hunk of punkritude? That's right. <laughs> She's beautiful. Hubba, hubba. Pardon me, uh, are you really Millicent? That's right. <laughs> Miss Van Schnook, would you mind to repeat that? There you are, Chief. Pennington, is there any limbs missing from your family tree? <laughs> uh, well, are you right, Archie? Why? Well, if you are, then you're little Millie. 
<laughs> Millie, I got sad news for you. Archie just left town. He went back to his wife and his 12 children. Gee, I've been tilted. <laughs> well, I think you're better off, Miss Van Schnook. That Archie was never no good anyhow. You know, he's a cheat and a crook and a no-good bum... Tell her about him, Eddie. No, oh, go on. You know the facts better than me. <laughs> See what I mean? Uh, well, I guess I'll just have to go back home and try me luck again. Uh, don't leave, Millie. <laughs> uh, I think you're kind of cute. Uh, say, you're pretty cute, too. Uh, I think we got something in common. I wonder what it could be. <laughs> I got it. Do, do you like Tootsie Rolls? Yeah, I love them. I'll bet that's what it is. <laughs> what do you say we go down to the candy store and split one? Uh, can I trust you? Well, sure you can trust me. I'll divide it even. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's a deal. Uh, so long, everybody. So long, everybody. Well, so long, you lucky couple. I hope you'll always be happy together. And if you have any children, name them after uh, the Gargantua. <laughs> Duffy, next week, uh, Charles Coburn. Well, he's uh, sort of an old Jolson. Yeah, yeah, the only difference between Jolson and Coburn is that when Jolson gets down on one knee, there's a chance that he'll be proposing to a dame. <laughs> well, anyway, Coburn will be here next week, Duffy. Uh, be sure to listen in, huh? Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Time now to leave Duffy's Tavern for this evening, but let's meet here again at the same time next Wednesday when our guest will be Charles Coburn. Duffy's Tavern is brought to you by Ipana Toothpaste for the smile of beauty and by Talis for well-groomed hair. Each Wednesday, Bristol Myers brings you Duffy's Tavern and Mr. District Attorney, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Inner Sanctum, followed by Our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.